I'm Pastor Rob Myalis, and welcome to the Ponder Anew podcast, where we ponder anew the ancient stories of Scripture and their surprising relevance for today's life and world. This season, we're looking at the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was given the task of rebuilding ancient Jerusalem. And as we are all in a season of rebuilding so many facets of our lives after the pandemic, we can learn from Nehemiah and more importantly, how God was at work in Nehemiah's life. Uh, Hopefully discovering, again, pondering anew how God then is at work in our time and in our place. And this episode, we're going to consider some of the ways in which God was at work in Nehemiah's life. And I think some of those may may surprise us and then to reveal to us how God is at work in our life. But before we begin episode two, I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and for sharing uh, with others the the first week of the podcast. uh, I'm having a lot of fun and and I get the sense that that a number of people really resonated with uh, the first episode. So hopefully here we go for episode two. We'll We'll keep uh, on the rebuilding uh, with Nehemiah and more importantly with God. Again, it's great to have you with us here. And we're going to be looking at Nehemiah, basically chapter 2 and a brief little snippet of chapter 1. And uh, feel no shame if you have a Bible in needing to look up where Nehemiah is. But I'm also just going to uh, read the scripture passages you need because I know, especially with the podcast, many of us are not sitting down or doing other chores, uh, etc. And the verse I want to reflect on with you at first is the last part of the last verse of chapter 1. And Nehemiah... You don't know this yet. It's sort of like a real surprise. I think, I think he does this intentionally. He writes, I was the king's cupbearer at the time. Wow. Okay. The king here he's referring to is the emperor of the Persian Empire, one of the great ancient empires. So Nehemiah here is dropping. This is a he has some serious access and really connections. And a cupbearer, well, a cupbearer, it sounds not that uh, big of a deal, but what a cupbearer did was when the king was given wine, the cupbearer would have a sip of it to ensure that the wine had not been poisoned. And if that sounds a little bit paranoid, the emperor who uh, Nehemiah worked for, Artaxerxes. It turns out that he uh, had this huge palace intrigue to come to power where his brother, if not even other family members who were supposed to inherit the throne, were actually killed um, by another person who wanted to usurp power and then Artaxerxes when he found Artaxerxes when he found that out actually had that person killed so yeah there's a lot of palace intrigue here and so uh, Nehemiah in some ways took his life on the line routinely uh, for the king so it was a position of trust and relationship 
what's the significance and where might God be in all of this? For Nehemiah, this access to the king is going to prove crucial, crucial to the rebuilding efforts of Jerusalem. Without Nehemiah's access to the king, the rebuilding of Jerusalem doesn't take place. In Greek mythology, a lot of the stories of heroes involve a scene where one of the gods bestows on the hero an obvious gift, like they give them a sword or a shield or something, right? This sort of this, this gift from heaven. And that has yet to happen to me where um, sort of a flaming pen has come down from the heavens or something like this. But what Nehemiah talks about, I think, is something that we can relate to and understand. Where the position we have in life, the relationships, the skills that are already there are the tools that God has given us to use. Again, I think sometimes we, we wait for the tools to drop from heaven for the challenge that we have ahead of us rather than be aware that what we need may actually already be at our disposal. And even, I think, to take it even a little bit deeper, there's a way in which the, the, the surprising and awesome thing about our life with God is that we discover that so many uh, things in our lives, which we would have considered, quote, secular, or um, not, not sort of churchy, or not divine, it turns out that God can use them, can work through them, can employ them for God's purposes. Again, God uh, works not from flaming pens or swords or shields down from heaven, but through the stuff that God has given us, God equips us, challenges us, uh, opens up our eyes that we can use that then for, for God's kingdom. So let's. Uh, so here's my first set of of questions uh, for you. Okay. What in your life? What in your life are some of the gifts that you have? And this doesn't necessarily have to be um, a list of of adjectives like I'm really fast or something. But to just start to take stock and think, okay, what are the, what are the things that I have that are, are markers of privilege, that are points of access, um, the connections that I might have, the skills that I might have, the friends who have things that, that I know and am in relationship with. And I think this is an important exercise for us to do because the, the pandemic robbed us of a lot of our sense of agency, right? Like every day we woke up and life was sort of out of our control. Um, and I think a lot of us could feel sort of helpless before the powers that be. And to, again, take this, this time and start to take stock of, okay, what are really the gifts that I have? Um, and some of that, again, can be more obvious, like financial resources. But again, also more deeply here for... Um, for Nehemiah, it's going to be actually relationships that he has, access to, to power. So, 
So just start to think about that. What, what are some of the tools that, that God has, has given you? And, and maybe even for you already in the last year and a half, uh, you've, you've seen either uh, new tools that have been developed or, or ways in which facets of your life um, were, were really needed in the last year. So for instance, I have a, a friend who is a pastor. And before he was a pastor, he spent three years in the television industry. And he kind of wondered why as a pastor, why he had wasted his time doing this. Well, it turns out during the pandemic that those, those years of television industry now were really valuable for the, for the church that he was a part of. So again, my questions are, are there, what are the gifts and skills that you have, the connections, the um, access points that you might not have thought of as gifts from God, but really are tools that God has given you to make an impact in this world and to be able uh, to, to do the rebuilding efforts to which God is calling us. And again, that could be a friend who's got wisdom, right? It could be a whole variety of things. So try to think broadly there. Okay? And, and maybe as a subset, has there been anything uh, in the pandemic where you've sort of developed new uh, tools in your toolkit or where you've actually seen other parts of your life that you, you didn't think were going to be useful, now God had put to use. So again, real broad here, helping to expand our sense of the gifts that God has given us in this life. We'll continue here and finally get to chapter 2. And I want to read for you a couple of verses here. In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, wine was set before him. I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had never been out of sorts in his presence. The king said to me, How is it that you look bad, though you are not ill? It must be bad thoughts. I was very frightened, but I answered the king, May the king live forever. How should I not look bad when the city of the graveyard of my ancestors lies in ruins and its gates have been consumed by fire? The king said to me, what is your request? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I answered the king. It's the first five verses there or so. When I first read this, I read it in the translation that I just read to you. And it said in the month of Nisan. And I kind of just skimmed over it. I confess that I don't really know my Hebrew uh, calendar of months that well. It's, it's more of a lunar calendar and it's, it doesn't map up exactly. So I've never fully paid attention just trusting the translators on that matter. But then I read it in another translation. And this is just one of those little sort of aside moral of the story is it's good to read things in multiple translations because things can, can pop out in new ways. But the uh, other translation said here, instead of in the month of Nisan, it did the math and it said four months later. I think that's really, uh, that, that caught me then. Because Nehemiah has this awesome prayer that we talked about last episode in the first chapter. It's got all the right elements of prayer and it concludes at the end with grant your servant success today and dispose that that man be compassionate towards him. And by that man, he means the king, the emperor. So Nehemiah has prayed uh, he, he, this prayer of 
deep emotional grief and praise and repentance and finally this request that the king would be open to him. Well, it took four months for that, for that all to be lined up. As I get older, uh, time does move faster, but I still think four months is a long time. And for most of us, when we think about, you know, our prayer life and rebuilding, we do have a tendency to think, I prayed, why isn't this happening? And the story of Nehemiah here is a reminder of what we all know. And that is that prayer in general, but also the work of rebuilding takes time. Takes time. Again, we all know that in our head, but we can forget it. Last um, night, I was at a committee meeting of the church and I was lamenting a little bit that although people have started to come back to worship and that's just uh, wonderful, either outside or inside, that we're noticing that many people are still reluctant to volunteer and that, uh, you know, we need a lot of volunteers to make worship happen. And the people in the room, we ended up being a good discussion and their basic point was telling me something that I, I kind of probably forgotten, and that was just how um, how emotionally taxing it is for people to come back to worship. Not only just because they've gotten out of the habit for many of them, or they've changed their Sunday morning habits, but also just the whole you know the last couple months with sort of rules and ambiguity, just the exhaustion of a new space. And then to think about volunteering, knowing that that volunteer position may have changed, it's just too much for people at this point. And although we had a great discussion about tactically, we could do things differently to, over the next couple of months, encourage more volunteers, it was just a real helpful reminder for me of what people are going through and this real need to be more patient, <laughs> to to uh, trust that there is a timing at work that, um, that, that God has in mind that I don't always see, and that, again, the, the need to be, to be patient in, in, with the rebuilding. I sense for all of us in our lives, as we seek to sort of go back to a, a new normal, we kind of um, some days feel like we're it's going too fast and there are days it's going too slow. So let this uh, prayer of, uh, and then the way it unfolds in Nehemiah, be just a gentle reminder that uh, even though God is at work in our lives, it's, it's uh, not always overnight. <laughs> the next thing, though, I want to draw our attention to there in, in this section is that Nehemiah uh, prays to God when the king begins this conversation. He had prayed beforehand, and now he's praying again. And, and this prayer is one that I don't, he really doesn't want answered in four months. But he knows in this conversation with the king <clears throat> that he really wants, uh, he needs peace, he needs the king to have uh, an openness. And what I'd like to point out is that the king and Nehemiah here have this conversation that God is clearly at work in. God is going to open up the king's 
heart to allow Nehemiah to do this rebuilding. Uh, God has been prayed to for this conversation beforehand. Many times in the Old Testament, we read about grand miracles, the crossing of the Red Sea or the plagues. And we can begin to think that that's you know, how God worked in the Old Testament or even some of the miracles of Jesus, of healing people and so forth. And then when we don't see that same miraculous presence in our world today, we kind of dismiss it as sort of the way that people used to think about God or just say that that doesn't, that doesn't make sense in, in my world today. But in the book of, of Nehemiah, God often works not in grand displays in the heavens, but God works on people's hearts. God worked on Nehemiah's heart to, to give him a sense of what, what he was supposed to do. God worked on Nehemiah's heart to give him patience, to know, to just kind of, even though he had this sense of urgency about it, to just, just hold, kind of keep the powder keg dry. God is going to work on the king to sort of have the king ask this sort of gentle question. God was at work to sort of put Nehemiah in that position. And then God is at work on the heart of the emperor to then be open to, to Nehemiah's request. God is working on Nehemiah's heart to give Nehemiah strength and courage, even though Nehemiah says, I'm very frightened. What I want to say here is that God is at, at work in the human heart to open us up to what God is, is doing. Uh, and again, making a way for us. So here's the two questions that I want to think about relating to uh, prayer and God's miraculous presence in our life. And uh, these ways in which, again, God is, is at work helping us. The first is, is there a part of your life where you are needing to be more patient? Where uh, in your joy and eagerness to, to get something back to the way it was or to, to spring ahead, launch into the new chapter that you need to take a breath and to be comfortable with the fact that it may not happen at exactly the time that you would like it to happen. Where are you called like Nehemiah to live into this trust, this faith that the Lord is working, even if at this moment we don't see how things are adding up as fast as we'd like them to. The second thing is that, again, in terms of prayer and patience and God sort of working on our hearts, where have you seen God at, at work opening up your heart or opening up the heart of somebody else? Those strange and serendipitous conversations where suddenly a new chapter can begin, a, a reconciliation has been sown, um, a, a door opens for an exciting opportunity. Again, where has God worked in not the grand miracle, but in the still the powerful miracle of, of transforming, of opening, of working on your heart? So those are my, my questions today. We didn't get very far in chapter two, but it's such so rich, so much uh, to cover. 
Last night, we also had our first uh, time at, at the pub together. That was uh, great. If you missed it, you can come to one of the ones in the future. But if you don't live locally, if you're on vacation and you're just listening, uh, we, I think the podcast hopefully uh, suffices and gives you some things to ponder and think about. And if you'd like to uh, email me with some of your questions or thoughts, Feel free. Uh, you can do so at robertmyalis at yahoo.com or my church email address. So this week we sort of bridged chapter 1 into chapter 2 and we were reflecting on how God uh, gives us all sorts of, of gifts to, to use in rebuilding and often things we didn't consider to be gifts. And then as well as the way in which prayer and patience and God sort of works on our hearts. So hopefully that's enough to consider in our uh, rebuilding time. And so I'll conclude, though, with a prayer for all of us. Gracious God, we pray that you would open up our eyes. Open up our eyes to the gifts that you've given us, ways in which we can serve other people. Open our eyes to the needs of those around us, Open our eyes to the ways in which you're working often in subtle and small ways to bring about your kingdom, to enable us to rebuild in this next chapter. We pray for patience too. And we pray this trusting in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.